folks. It is Nick Knack of the Nick Knack Podcast. This will be Season 8, Episode 9, and I'm calling this one Don't Stay Together for the Kids, and I will explain that shortly. But let's open up the show with a little bit of Blink-182 and stay together for the kids, just to confuse you. never noticed the piano bit in that song before. That's kind of cool. Well, let's get started here, and I'll start things out with the difficult, the problem that I'm currently having, uh, and that is not trusting the decisions that I make. And this, uh, I'd say this is a result of showing symptoms of either post-traumatic stress disorder or bipolar, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. But, uh, I mean, basically, what what I'm looking at in my adult 
life is that I get really passionate about something. Um, you know, it can be anything from airline dispatching to podcasting to uh, doing internet radio shows to traveling to uh, living in a particular place, whatever it might be. I'll get really passionate about it, and then I'll burn out on it rather quickly, which um, is what the last episode kind of alluded to, though I never really got to my point, and I apologize for that. Uh, So here I am, uh, you know, 30 and a month, basically, 30 30 and a month old. Um, I'm not sure if I'm over 10,000 days old yet or not, but I don't think I am. I don't, I don't remember. But, uh, in any case, in any case, uh, my 20 years uh, of being built, basically, 18 years to 20 years, basically, uh, was, in my case, 20 years, yeah, because I didn't really leave the house until shortly after I turned 20. Uh, so, in my case, 20 years of development were you know, uh, we're involved with, uh, you know, not getting along with other kids and not, you know, feeling part of any particular group. Uh, add that to, you know, my parents kind of in a not happy relationship, but staying together for the kids. Uh, and, you know, kind of this world of false, of a false sense of security. I, I would describe it as, uh, because, you know, bad things happen, but you pretend that tried to construct your life around that and say, okay, even though bad things have happened, let's try and pretend that we're normal, um, in a lot of ways. And that's a very dangerous, uh, idea and philosophy. And, uh, under the guise of pretending that I was normal, uh, I went and tried to uh, embark upon a relatively normal adulthood. And I can tell you, 10 years later, 10 to 12 years later, depending on how you want to measure adulthood, uh, it's not quite that. Um, I, you know, And it's taken a while to realize that. It's taken a while to realize that I have these... Uh, impulses, these urges, these sudden onset interests uh, in my life that pop up. Uh, The first one in my adult life being uh, the desire to get a career in game design, and then when that burnout, you know, is desire to get a career in internet radio and broadcasting, and that hasn't entirely gone away, but I realized at a certain point, well, you're not making any money at this. You better uh, try and pull something else out of your ass. Uh, So the next thing I pulled out of my ass was airline dispatching because I can't be a pilot because of uh, medical concerns and I can't be a controller because of the same medical control uh, concerns. But maybe I can be a dispatcher and I can go and try and do that. And, you know, I got to the math portion of it and then I burnt out. Uh, Had problems with math. And it was, I got stuck in the whole um, takeoff uh, and landing performance calculations. Uh, the sort of stuff that uh, when I'm flying in the flight in the simulator, the uh, simulator calculates that for me. You know, I put in my zero fuel weight based on what FS passengers gives me. And I punch that into the computer and based on... Uh, that and the cost index and a variety of other factors, the uh, flight management system in Flight Sim says, okay, here's your V1, uh, which is the speed at which you decide to either abort or continue the takeoff. And uh, VR is the speed at which you actually lift the nose off the, uh, off the ground and start to fly and rotate, so to speak. And then V2 is the speed that you reach shortly after leaving the ground, at which, um, if you lose an engine, you'll you'll be okay, you can continue climbing. And uh, so that's what the V speeds are about. 
And so uh, I put in a number of parameters based on what I know, my zero fuel weight, whatever, uh, that comes from the software I have. And the software magically gives me these numbers, so, you know, I don't need to take in the detailed factors of, okay, is, it, is the runway wet? Is it snowing? Is the runway icy? Um, are there any, uh, m are there any, uh, uh, problems with the airplane that would impact our performance? Uh, and, and in the real world, what you end up with is just kind of these lists of, of things that will, if there's something wrong with the aircraft, you have to look it up and see, okay, you know, how much is the, it, what sort of mathematical penalty am I going to have to take uh, for the fuel calculations of the airplane, for the takeoff calculations, for the landing calculations. Um, it's, it gets really complicated really quickly and very math involved. So when I got to that point, I said, oh, fuck, holy shit. Uh, and then I ironically didn't do very well on a systems test on the Boeing 737, which you would think I would know that airplane inside and out from all the years that I've flown it in the simulator and you know just from generally having a pretty good not a great but a pretty good understanding of aircraft systems uh, you know I, do, I still don't know really the you know the stages of a jet engine for example um, you know I can remember the fan the fifth and the ninth um, and that's kind of the stages of it. There's three stages of it, I can tell you that. Um, and it's, you know, sucking the air in, mixing it with fuel, and having to explode out the back. I can tell you that. But, uh, you know, beyond that, I couldn't really tell you that. And I could tell you, you know, uh, how the aircraft is pressurized. Uh, you know, the air is uh, comes in from the air off the engine. It's, it is filtered and then it's pumped into the cabin and then it is slowly released via outflow valves uh, on the bottom of the airplane uh, and the position of the outflow valves determines the pressurization, determines how quickly the aircraft leaves the airplane which uh, allows you to uh, achieve pressurization. Like That's the pneumatic system, basically. Uh, you know, the hydraulic system, uh, there's multiple hydraulic pumps some of them are electrically driven, some of them are uh, powered by the engine, and uh, that's what allows uh, hydraulically powered control surfaces like the wings, the flaps, the spoilers, or excuse me, uh, the ailerons, the flaps, the spoilers, the rudder, um, the gear, and uh, steering on the ground. Uh, as well as brakes on the ground. Uh, that's what powers those the those devices on the aircraft. And uh, there's enough redundancy in the airplane that generally, if you have an engine failure, uh, you know, a single engine failure, you're still going to have hydraulic power. If you have a double engine failure, uh, depending on the airplane. Uh, uh, something called the ram air turbine will deploy from the uh, right-hand side of the aircraft, and it's just basically a propeller that spins in the wind and gives you basic electrical power and hydraulic power. Um, and, you know, that takes you in the, into the electrical system. The electrical system is uh, powered from three sources on board the aircraft, the auxiliary power unit, which can provide uh, air pressure as well as electrical power and it's a small jet engine at the back of the aircraft and uh, using the APU is what allows you to start the engines get enough air pressure to get the fans turning on each respective engine then you add fuel and the engine starts um, running at that point um, and of course it also provides air conditioning on the ground uh, power it can power the aircraft um, and once the aircraft engines are turning, then your power comes from each respective aircraft engine. And there's some backup and redundancy systems in there, not as many when it comes to electri electricity. Uh, your main backup is the APU, 
the auxiliary power unit, which I mentioned earlier. And on the ground, you can also plug into an external power cart if you don't want to run the APU, which makes sense because the APU uh, uses fuel, uh, jet fuel. So, um, and then the, that brings us right into the fuel system. Uh, 737, that's our example here. Uh, you have three tanks. You have a center tank in the middle of the airplane, uh, pretty much right underneath the seats, more or less. Um, and that's the biggest tank. And you have two pumps in that tank. And uh, there's a pump that feeds the left engine. There's a pump that feeds the right engine respectively. And then you have uh, a wing tank in each respective wing. So there's a left wing tank and a right wing tank. And uh, there's two pumps there. Uh, redundancy built in. Uh, two pumps that can feed the left engine and you could also have two pumps on the right hand side that can feed the right engine and you can also transfer, transfer fuel in between the left tank and the right tank if there's an imbalance. Uh, you fill up the left wing tank and the right wing tank first, and then if you still need more fuel, then you start filling up the center tank. It's just the way it's done. Don't ask me why. It is. Um, so that's the fuel system. And together, all those systems combined to uh, give you operation of the aircraft. And of course, there's more systems as well, but those are the primary systems that you have to worry about. Uh, so based on my description here, you would think, oh, he knows the systems. And you would think, yes, but um, despite that, uh, I did not do well on the systems test. So uh, that caused me to freak out and, uh, you know, give up on the airline dispatch thing. And now, you know, I, I'm starting to see my life as a series of whims. You know, a series of, oh, I really like this idea. I'm really passionate about this. Why don't I base my entire life about this? And then once I do that, invariably, uh, you know, either I it proves that I'm not very good at that, or uh, halfway through that task, I get bored, and I say, oh, I'm going to move on to something else. So it's gotten to the point where I don't trust my impulses. And I... I have to assume, based on my experience, that every impulse is something that is a temporary thing that I'll give up on later or ignore later or something like that. So now you have someone that doesn't trust their own impulses. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it's I guess it's good to not trust your impulses, but in addition to these being described as impulses, I'd say they're also passions. You know, these passions come up. My passion for aviation, my passion for uh, simulation, my passion for music, my passion for broadcasting. Everything I have that I do is comes as a result of a passion. And when it comes to investing in something, it's, it's really hard to tell if... Uh, this passion, this sudden, sudden interest is an impulse or if it's actually a passion that's sustainable. Um, and I don't trust that decision-making process um, anymore. I no longer trust myself and that is scary because it makes it really hard to conduct life. Um, now, I get very nervous about being hopeful because, you know, hope is the feeling that something can get better and you want to you want to have that feeling that's a good feeling that keeps you going that keeps you moving through life but uh, there's always this element that goes okay is this real hope or is this false hope and if it's false hope i need to go find some real hope and i i'm finding myself in that position again because as i look back upon my adult life um, I'm considering a number of things right now. But right now, uh, as I look back on my adult life, I say, well, where was I happiest? Where was I at my best? What was I doing when life was going relatively well? And ironically, the answer is, well, I was living in Seattle. I was working at Walmart. I didn't love my job, but I loved where I lived. And I had a girlfriend for a while, and that was good. So, 
I, for my own purposes, I'm going to eliminate the logic of working at Walmart because I never want to do that again. I really don't. And that'll bring up some PTSD issues and I don't want to go there again. Uh, however, what I'll hang on to is the living in Seattle bit and had a girlfriend bit. Uh, and that takes me back to the basic elements that I've been searching for and trying to get in my life for a long, long time. Uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, having a career that makes me feel good, that makes me feel like I'm doing something and helps sustain me, as well as living somewhere that makes me happy. Uh, living somewhere that challenges me on a day-to-day -day basis, but also, you know, meets my needs. And in that sense, uh, even though I've kind of, I've returned to Chico, and I've returned to Chico with the, well, I, when I, ultimately, when I returned to Chico after Green, Green River, it was simply because I was homeless and I didn't have anywhere else to go. Uh, but then later, it became, okay, you're here. And that's the way it is. And you're going to stay here until you feel well enough to move on. And that's kind of what it's become. And, uh, you know, despite that being my very defined goal, and despite the realization that I know, you know, I'm, uh, with my skills and talents being what they are, uh, the likelihood that I'm going to be able to live in Chico and sustain myself under my own power uh, is not very good. Uh, even, you know, even with the things that I've looked at and the things that I've done and trying to change my skill set and trying to, you know, look at new ways that I could succeed in adult life, uh, I kind of have to look at it and look at the local Chico employment market and say, yeah, this isn't going to work in the long term. I can stay here to kind of rehabilitate myself, try and get better, but then I've got to go someplace else. Then I've got to, you know, be able to stand, stand up on my own two feet well enough to go somewhere else. And, uh, of course, the instinct, the strong drive is to go back to Seattle. And, uh, you know, again, that goes back to, uh, you know, I've lived in Phoenix, I've lived in uh, San Diego, the San Diego area anyway, and I've lived in Seattle, and I've lived in Chico. And of all the places I've been, uh, I, I was happiest in Seattle. And again, you know, those, it's, I'm sure it's more than a matter of just location. I'm sure it was a matter of I had a girlfriend for a while. And I was living where I wanted to live. And I felt like I had a job and some sort of reason to get out of bed in the morning. Well, now, um, you know, that was 2009 when I was late. Uh, no, that was all 2009. Early 2009. Spring of 2009 was about the highlight of my life so far. Uh, when I felt like I almost had it all uh, and was probably slowly working my way up. Uh, well, fast forward to today, uh, five years later, um, I am now comfortable with the fact that the things that I do do not make money. I would like them to make money, but I'm no longer going, okay, I've got to find something that makes money. I'm desperately needed. It's required. You know, I'm no longer looking at life that way. Um, for better or for worse. I, I'm no longer looking at life that way. Uh, I'm looking at life these days from the perspective of what's gonna, you know, what can I do while I'm waiting to die, essentially? What can I do that'll make me smile while I'm waiting to die? And I know that sounds rather grim and dark, but that's kind of where it is at the moment. And... Uh, now that I, you know, that now that I have Section 8, um, I still have disability uh, pay, which I think is uh, legitimate, given that I'm, I struggle with, uh, you know, social anxiety, with PTSD-like symptoms, with uh, 
bipolar symptoms. I think that's a legitimate, legitimate thing. Um, and I think that it's not realistic right now to expect that I could hold a regular, uh, normal 9-to-5 job. Uh, it's just not in the cards right now, and I don't think it'll be in the cards for a number of years. I don't know how long, but I don't, you know, I don't see it in the cards anytime soon, uh, based on, you know, the nine months of work experience I had at Walmart, the six months of work experience I had at support.com slash Comcast, the, uh, month that I was at Mainsail, uh, services here in Chico, the... Where else have I worked? Uh, the two weeks or so that I worked at BBS Radio, I got really stressed out. And at the time, I wasn't a smoker of uh, cigarettes or anything else. And uh, the boss was essentially the dude uh, from uh, the Big Lebowski. And he was smoking inside. And, you know, it was a high, highly stressful exam uh, environment because the connection to get Skype into the computer was hard to set up and you kept turning it off and on and Skype wasn't always used and it should have been always used and and you put that into Sam Broadcaster and even though I know how to use Sam Broadcaster I knew how to use it really well at the time even uh, trying to get Skype into Sam Broadcaster is, has been a never ending challenge for me that I just can't wrap my head around can't seem to wrap my head around hopefully one day but, uh, you know, all this stuff is happening. I've got, you know, you know, we're selling the airtime, basically, which is just silly to be selling airtime on a studio because, you know, you can blog talk radio, you can do this sort of stuff for free, or you can just record a podcast at your house for free and, you know, pay a small amount of money each month, and it's on the servers, and it's in iTunes. Uh, you know, this was kind of a redundant, silly service that this guy was providing. Um, but he did have, have some equipment that uh, people might, might not necessarily have personally, so I suppose there is that equipment and software. Uh, but in any case... Um, you know, I was able to handle that for about two weeks before I said, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I quit. Um, so, you know, very low stress tolerance. Uh, you know, just like uh, checking groceries at, at Walmart. It was, you know, I get stressed out really easily. I wasn't all that fast at it. People would be complaining. I'd cuss at them. I'd yell at them. I only got caught once, but still. Uh, and then uh, towards the end of it, a uh, girlfriend broke up with me and a couple days later I was pushing carts in a really strong horrible Washington rain which does happen from time to time and you know slipping all over the place and absolutely soaking wet and just wanted to sit by the fire and like have someone hug me and feel better but you know I knew that wasn't coming I knew that wasn't going to happen and you know somehow I managed to get through the day pushing the carts but I knew as I went back on inside, I was like, I, I'm, I'm fucking done. I'm done with this job. Um, and being done with the job at the time turned into driving home, driving back to Chico, which I kind of wish I had taken some time to kind of rethink that uh, decision. But, you know, that's what I did. And, you know, even now, still looking back, it's like, okay, all those jobs, all those scenarios you know, you can extrapolate the pattern. You can say, okay, I'm not a person that responds to stress well. I'm not a person that is able to deal with difficult members of the public very well. Uh, you know, I, I can kind of uh, pick out those traits and say, okay, I know, I know I have a problem doing this. I know I have a problem doing this. I know I have a problem doing that. Um, and to my credit, I'm actively seeking a variety of treatments to try and help with that. Uh, but I don't see, see any of those things changing uh, for a while. The only thing I, I really can change uh, is two things. Uh, my attitude, um, and I, I can try and 
be as insightful as I can about my decision-making process so that I have confidence, as much confidence as I can in my decision-making process. So if I say to myself, well, I want to port my Section 8 uh, into uh, uh, an apartment complex that I've been looking at for a long, long time in Greenwood in Seattle, and that's what I'm going to do. You know, I want to be really, really confident about that decision. I don't want it to be a whim where I move up there, you know, spend all this money and all this energy and all this effort getting up there and, you know, oh, I'm stepping away from the family. I've got to be strong, yada, yada. And then find, you know, two months later, oh, shit, I can't, I can't handle this. Because if you port uh, Section 8, you have to stay where you are for nine months, which is really, um, aside from money, the most practical thing that's keeping me in Chico at the moment is I got, you know, I've been on the Section 8 waiting list for years, maybe two years, maybe more, um, and I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to port, or I wasn't able to get Section 8 till this past May, and i already been living here for two years, um, so I got it last May, and yay, passed the inspection, yay, you know, rent goes down significantly, awesome. Uh, but then uh, I'm stuck here for nine months. Not so awesome. Uh, but I've got the vouchers, so that's awesome. So I'm just sitting here for nine months, more or less, maybe longer, uh, if I need to save money, which I probably will, um, and trying to figure out what my next move is and trying to get better in the interim at the same time. So, here I am, I'm having this strong impulse, I've done some research, strong impulse, okay, I wanna, I wanna get back to Seattle, it'll be North Seattle, so it's not quite the same as the Central District, where I used to live, but the pizza place that made the Central District really good, uh, and Capitol Hill, really good for that matter, is no longer there, and, uh, you know, Greenwood was nice, and, um, there's got to be a Dix in North Seattle. I don't remember where, but there's got to be a Dix drive in in North Seattle. Ballard, maybe? Um, but I know there's a couple of good burger places at any rate. And I know, you know, if I moved into this complex, my coffee place would be right freaking downstairs. And I'm sure if I looked hard enough, I could find a good pizza place in that neighborhood. And, you know, if the math shook out right between disability and... Section 8, I could move myself there, back there. I could get back there uh, to the city to be in a place that I enjoy, a place that challenges me, but also a place that I enjoy. And doing so would give me the opportunity to try and, you know, get into the multimedia industry again, get into the game industry again. Uh, it would be a really hard place to try and uh, get anywhere in radio, I would think, because it's such a big market, you know. Um, I can't remember how many million people. Uh, probably two million people within Seattle, Tacoma, plus Everett, plus uh, Redmond, plus Bellevue. It's probably two million people within all that. All that. Uh, so, I mean, it would be a really hard radio market to break into with no experience, so that, that might not happen, but, um, you know, there is the University of Washington, um, there's also Green River Community College, which admittedly is a really long commute from the city, but still, it's there, you know, I could try and finish dispatch training if I wanted to, um, so that would be an option. And I could, you know, do any number of other things. You know, um, I've got contacts there. I could try and work at Scarecrow. I could try and, um, you know, there's there's any a number number of options that I would have there that I really don't feel like I have here. Um, I feel like it would be a possibility to find a job that might suit me in Seattle versus Chico. Uh, of course, I can also say, well. The same is true of the Bay Area, um, or maybe even Sacramento. Um, you know, my skills are such, you know, Bachelor's of Art, Multimedia, uh, game emphasis in game design, but main thing, Bachelor's of Art, Multimedia. So I can do video production or video editing. I can do audio editing. I can 
kind of do websites and I can kind of um, I don't know, kind of do websites is about as far as I would go. Um, but I can certainly write game design documents, not that anybody wants a document done, but, and I can do a little bit of C++ and a little bit of Java, and, you know, I can script kitty type thing. Uh, so, you know, if there's a chance that in Silicon Valley, uh, San Francisco, or Seattle, that I might be able to find, to I'd be in an appropriate job market, an appropriate an area with an appropriate job market, rather. Um, and I would also be in a spot where I would feel comfortable uh, with myself. And, you know, it might alleviate the whole, oh, I must move to England thing, or I must move to um, Norway thing, or I must, you know, because as I'm sitting here in Chico, and granted, staying in Chico has been what has allowed me to travel to both Norway and the United Kingdom. Uh, but it takes a long time to do that. There's a lot of um, sitting around trying to save money and waiting uh, till you have enough money to do that. Um, and then you also have to be careful, of course, uh, saving money and using money that way, and you know, yada yada yada. Um, I think, I think, the best move I can make would be to work up towards getting back to Seattle. But here's the thing: I don't trust my instincts and impulses here. I don't trust them. Um, and that's a very difficult thing. Very, very difficult, because it undermines every impulse you have, and you don't know whether you can trust yourself, and that's a bitch, to say the least. So that's kind of what I'm struggling with at the moment, and I'm going to generalize that. I'm going to try and take that towards a universal theme and, and towards relationships specifically and reflect that back on my own relationship story. Uh, the last relationship, the last true relationship I was in, uh, the other person loved me to death. She loved me as much as she could. And she would do anything she could for me. Um, but she couldn't stimulate my mind because she did not have the ability to do that. And I'm a very intellectual person. And in order to sustain myself in a relationship, among other things, I need intellectual stimulation. In fact, that's the primary thing I would want from a relationship, friendship or otherwise. Um, so not having that after six months meant for me, okay, you know, this has gone as far as it's going to go. I you know, I don't feel comfortable going on with this. I want to end this. Uh, but, you know, that's my instinct, but that's my impulse, that's my desire at that point. But then I kind of sit there going, wait a minute, this person is willing to have sex with you. Uh, you know, when are you going to find another person that's going to be willing to do that? And for the record, I haven't within the past uh, the three years, I think. Might be four years. I'm going to say three years. Yeah, 2011. Three years. Um, so, you know, I haven't yet. But I said, screw it. I'm not happy. It's worth it to, you know, better to be single and unhappy being single than be in a relationship and be unhappy in the relationship. Because then, not only are you making yourself unhappy, but you're also making the other person unhappy. And in the case of a family, and this is again extrapolating back to my childhood, um, you know, where I had parents that didn't really get along, but they stayed together for the kids. And they stayed together to try and give us a wholesome, good atmosphere. And you know what? It really isn't worth it. You've got to figure out a way to trust your instincts, to trust your desires. And, you know, to really go through and test what your instinct and what your desire is. But, you know, assuming that you've test that, tested that, figure out what you want to do, find a way to go do it. That's what you need to do. Um, and that's what I'm struggling to do. But, really, 
if you get nothing else out of this thing, other than me talking about airplane systems, uh, really think about what you're passionate about and what you like. And try and separate that, you know, try and separate the passing interests that you can't really follow up on with something that you're going to really stick to. Um, I really like Seattle. Uh, enough, enough, enough so that uh, when my first stay in Seattle didn't work out, I said, okay, in a couple years I'll get my shit together and I'll go back. And I did. And then it fell apart again. And if I can find a way to give myself insurance so I feel like um, even if I do fall apart again, I have support systems, then I could probably do it, and I could probably stay there, and I could potentially go in the direction that I want to go. And I'm still thinking about this, still trying to figure out if this is the right move or not. I'm also crunching the back of my mind, oh, interest in psychology, is that the right move or not? Mm. Um, so I don't know. You know, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of thinking going on because I don't have much else that I'm doing at the moment. And that's a good thing. Um, I, I think right now I'm writing a little bit. I'm, you know, I flew flight simulator for the first time in a long time the other day. Um, did not go well. But, uh, you know, this tends to happen when you're, you don't do it for three or four months. It gets a little rusty, but it'll come back. Um... But I mean, I've got to, I've got to be more realistic. Uh, I don't think Europe is going to happen right now. I might make money off a of radio, maybe. Uh, it might make sense to go out, to go back and go to school eventually, but that's going to be a long way out. The best thing to do short term that I can think of, unless I'm missing something, is to get myself well enough to go back to Seattle and get myself financially well off enough, you know, in a good shape financially, so I can go back and go back and, for the love of God, commit to it. Make it something that's going to last and find a way to do that. Uh, and I can practice that while I'm here. Even, even if Chico is not my final destination, it's an okay stop right now. I can be okay with it being a stop. Uh, I just have to remember that eventually I'm going to get on the train again and keep going north. So, um, just as a reminder to everybody out there to follow your passions, to follow your dreams, to not give up, um, as I haven't give up, given up, um, I've, you know, I've adjusted my expectations hugely over the course of my life, but I haven't given up. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of Cat Stevens here, and if you want to sing out, sing out. Cat Stevens, also known these days as Yusuf Islam, and I really wish I could see his concert, his short tour coming up in December, uh, but uh, I have other things that I need to be doing, so uh, if you get a chance to go see it, though, go see it, and I can't remember what the point I was trying to get to last week was. I think my point was, I'm trying really hard, you know, to commit myself to doing radio shows, and to keep myself busy, but I'm still burning out, and I have to figure out this energy management thing. I have to figure out, again, what my point is this week, uh, what I really want, how to get it, what impulses I can trust, uh, or what my impulses are versus what my passions are. Will I follow through on my passions? It, it's, it's a lot of very uh, introspective uh, work, introspective psychological work that needs to be done on my part. But I think... I'm making progress. I hope I'm making progress anyway. Uh, so, let's give it a minute here. Cat Stevens, if you want to sing out, sing out. Well, if you want to sing out, sing out. And if you want to be free, be free. Because there's a million things to be. You know that there are. And if you want to live high, live high And if you want to live low, live low Cause there's a million ways to go You know that there are You can do what you want The 
opportunities are And if you find a new way You can do it today You can make it all true And you can make it undo You see There's a million ways to go, you know that there are And if you want to be me, be me And if you want to be you, be you Cause there's a million things to do, you know that there are You can do what you want The opportunity's on If you find a new way, you can do it today, you can make it all true, and you can make it undo, you see, ah, it's easy, ah, you only need to know, well if you want to sing out, sing out, You want to be free, be free Cause there's a million things to be You know that there are, you know that there are You know that there are, you know that there are You know that there are Alright, just promise me that you won't go out and buy an iPad just because you heard that because Apple is evil damn it uh, Microsoft is evil too don't get me wrong and Google is evil as well however I believe that Apple is actually the evilest of that of that group because they pretend that they're not evil and uh, what other evil thing can you do besides pretending that you're not evil and aside from that, Microsoft is based in Seattle. Good thing. Amazon is based in Seattle. Good thing. Uh, Google is based in Mountain View. So, eh, you know, Bay Area, yeah. Um, Apple's based in Cupertino, wherever the hell that is. Somewhere in the Bay Area. Um, but Google, I don't. I just don't. You know, I use Google a lot. I don't trust them, but I don't hate them either. Um... And Microsoft, I just kind of put up with. I, I've been burned by them personally several times, uh, but I kind of put up with them because you know they're in Redmond and uh, you put up with them, or I put up with them anyway. Um, and plus, I know a lot of people that used to work for Microsoft, and you know you, I put up with them. That is what it is. Uh, so there's that. And I don't know. Choose your evil corporation that owns you. Um, and then choose as well what you're really passionate about, what you dream about, and follow that up. Uh, don't let your life pass you by without following up your passions. Uh, that's what I'm trying not to do. So, uh, how long can I stay idle? Well, not idle, but how long can I, I sit and be patient and sit with it and try and make myself better um, before I, sit, I take a deep breath and say, <sighs> Okay gotta go on with my life now because um, I feel like my life is very much on pause um, it's not obviously as you've heard you know things have happened since I moved back uh, from Green River and of course I've documented all this in the podcast as well so going back over old history may be a bit redundant I'm sorry but uh, yeah I'm trying to figure out if this is a worthy thing to trust. My interest in psychology is a worthy thing to trust. If the feeling that I had my shit together kind of when I was in Seattle is a worthy thing to trust. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about this one long and hard. But as I said to my mom earlier, um, you know, it gives me something to work towards. It gives me something to hope for. And it's true artificial hope can be bad for you, but 
if you if you're sitting there and going, okay, well, fuck, I have no hope at all, and somebody offers you false hope, you're like, oh shit, I'll take a false hope, yeah, fuck yeah, give me some false hope, I'll. Yeah. How much you selling it for? I'll buy a thousand pounds, you know. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Till next time, though. Uh, please do remember that you can donate. Uh, you can go to my website, nicnacjak.lipson.com. That's nicnacjak.libsyn.com. And there's a PayPal donate button on the right-hand side there. Uh, there's also the audio for sale, the audiobook God's Bob Newman, as well as my songs. You can find on the audio for sale link there. And uh, you can also leave a voice message. Um, or if you prefer, you can email me. N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K at gmail.com and uh, send me a message and attach an audio file to it. And I'll play it uh, in the show. Uh, let's see, what else can you do? Uh, you can just send me an email uh, with feedback. Uh, you can use the speak pipe thing on uh, my website nicknackjack.lipson.com that's November in Indio Charlie November Alpha Charlie Juliet Alpha Kilo dot Lima Indio Bravo Sierra Yankee November dot Charlie Oscar Mike and the email address November Indio Charlie November Alpha Charlie Juliet Alpha Kilo at gmail.com that's Golf Mike Alpha Indio Lima dot Charlie Oscar Mike and uh, just let me know you're listening and where where are you listening from I'm interested in those those things and also how long uh, did you listen for that matter um, the numbers are going up and I like this um, I, but I don't you know numbers are hard to chase so give me more than just numbers please so till next time stay safe stay sane happy road running happy landings bye